Uh, Sam will say he's not really a guest because he's, he's very much part of the family. Uh, when I came on staff here five years ago, the first thing he said to me in the office was, you'd learn that I'm a bit of a big deal around here. And uh, he's, he's absolutely full of life, full of beans. He's full of the spirit. And I know he's going to bless us hugely today. Why don't we give a massive welcome to Santino Hamburis? Come on. Okay. Did my mum tell you to do this? She did, didn't she? Um, first of all, I just want to say, man, I, I absolutely adore this place. I was chatting to my bro during worship. Maybe we shouldn't have been doing that. Um, but just after breaking bread, was, this is such a precious family. Thanks, bro. Change my voice to Joe Pasquale or something. <laughs> this is such a precious family. My name is um, Shouter. Um, it's so good to be here. I'm, I'm lost for words, really, because I look out and I think, man, there's so much love in this room. I am a cheesy monkey, right? But I'm not about to bombard you with cheese. Don't worry about that. It's so good to be here. So I'm San Santino. Used to be part of this beautiful church community. Still absolutely consider myself part of it. It felt like I came home yesterday afternoon when Brian picked me up from the station. Um, I'm married to Em. We have two beautiful children. They're doing well. We've been in Manchester coming up to a year. Um, in about six weeks, it'll be a year, I think. Um, it's flown by. It really has flown by. But when I've crossed over with some of you just walking through, I'm like, I saw you last week, I think, didn't we? Um, but I want you to know that this isn't patronizing. You, you have something so special here. And, and, and us moving on, you, you don't realise, you can't see the wood for the trees, you know that saying? And actually during the worship, just as Ali encouraged us just to sing out, you, you can hear this murmuring right across the place and your beautiful contribution, Sarah. And then Jackie, just encouraging us again how much God loves us. Just precious, precious. Listen, if you have a Bible, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 1? So pleased that Al read from Ephesians. You just think, I remember John Stott, hearing John Stott say, if all we had was Ephesians, that would be no enough for the rest of our lives. And it's like the Everest of the New Testament. And that is an understatement. Quite literally, friends, if that's all we had for the rest of our days, that is enough. For you to see exactly what God has done for you in Jesus. For us to know the inheritance that we have. And for us to know what this beautiful future looks like. So, you there? Yeah? Let me put it in context first. So we're going to jump in at uh, chapter 15, um, but I want to tell you what's happened so far. Basically, in the first chapter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter, has said, hey, listen, guys, I want you to know that you've received every spiritual blessing in, in God, in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. So when you say, well, how many blessings? Oh, that's every blessing. You've, you've not only received these blessings, you've been chosen so I want you to know, friends, in this room, each one of you, if you confess Christ as Saviour, he chose you before you chose him. It's mind-blowingly bonkers, isn't it? That somehow God in Christ chose you. So he's saying, you, you've received every blessing, you've been chosen before God even laid the foundations of the earth, um, you've got an incredible inheritance to come, you've been sealed with this beautiful Holy Spirit that calls out Abba Father. That's what the Spirit does, it testifies about Jesus, shows us everything we've received. In just a few verses, Paul lays out the gospel, pretty much. So we're going to jump into verse 15. 
So he moves into this passionate prayer, and it will come up on the screen, hopefully, behind me. Verse 15 says, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers, that the God of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, I love the way he describes God there, the, oh, he's the Father of glory, he may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ. This is how, friends, when he said, come on, up you get. As Ali read out that beautiful poem, he worked this power in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Father of glory, I just ask you, Father of infinite glory, would you just pour out your love? Pray for every single heart in this place that we would encounter your love. We would leave here knowing that we're loved, absolutely adored by this Father of glory. I pray, give us this spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you this morning. And we ask this for our precious Saviour's namesake. Amen. So Paul, he prays that they would know God and know his power. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for this community, for this family, that we would know God and know his power. He's asking for not only wisdom, he's asking for revelation for them and that their hearts would be enlightened. And friends, that's what we need, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I need that more and more. What Sarah brought this morning, I need that more and more. I need my heart to be enlightened to see what he's done for me. I need not not only revelation to know him, but I need this heart enlightenment, if you like, to see that the power that is at work in our lives So that's what we're going to look at today, folks. We're going to break it up into two sections, knowing God and knowing his power. You know me well enough, I'm quite a simple guy, and we're going to keep it nice and simple and straightforward. We're going to know him and know his power. This is the normal Christian life. I don't know what you think the normal Christian life is, but right from the outset, the foundational principle that our great God wants us to know is him. Is him. But, but what else, Sam? Where, where do we move on from there? No, you just go deeper. You just go deeper. Many people want to experience the power of God without knowing his heart first. I'm like that a lot of the time. God, I just want to see cancer healed. I want to see miracles just explode everywhere we go. I, I want power. But I think God's calling us deeper first to know him. Because if we come from the wrong foundation, if we want power without understanding his heart first, I think we can twist things. I think we can have all sorts of agendas. I think we can come from the wrong motives. I think we can lack grace. I think we can be stressed and driven. We can be performance driven. So God's calling us deeper to know him. 
And we see this in the Bible, don't we? We see an example of Jesus' friends. Um, they, they spent ages with him. And in a moment, they kind of lost who he was. They, they have this dialogue in Luke, Luke's Gospel. They get into this disagreement with a bunch of people, basically. And the, the disciples say, Jesus, would you like us to burn them? It, it, that's what they say. Lord, should we call down fire from heaven? And consume them. And you can see our, our beautiful Jesus like, oh my word. You've been with me all this time. No, we're not burning anyone today. You see, in that... <laughs> tomorrow. We're going to burn loads of people tomorrow. In a moment, they forgot who he was. They, they, they lost sight of his character and nature. They lost his heart. My prayer for us is that we would, we would really go away this morning knowing Jesus' heart, knowing how he responds to humanity, knowing how he responds to need. We must first know him. Verse 17 says that the, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The NIV also says, so you may know him better. Or one translation says, know him more. So there's different ways of knowing, right? Man, it's hot in this place, isn't it? I've come from up north, right? I was on the train the other day, and I had a hoodie and a jacket on. Got to London, and people were looking at me like, what's the matter with you? I'm sweating up here. What was I saying? Verse 17, that we would know him. There's different aspects of knowledge, isn't there? There's a factual or an intellectual knowledge. Two plus two equals some of you just got that. You have that for. That's pretty much as far as I go. But that's like a factual knowledge, right? There's a knowing at that level. But then there's a, there's a knowing of a person. There's, there's a depth of knowledge where you don't just factually know about them. You kind of know, hey, Stephen Heather, I know how you tick. I know how you think. I know what annoys you. I know what happens if, if this happens in your life. There's a, there's a knowing of someone's heart and nature, right? So that's the same with God. There's, there's an intellectual knowing we can have of him. And I want to be careful I say this because that's absolutely amazing. To know him as creator, tick. To know him as sustainer, absolutely. To know him as holy and pure. To have all these wonderful theological concepts, remarkable. But he's inviting us so much deeper. He's inviting us to see into his very heart. He's inviting us to see, hey, this is how my God acts. This, I, I'm so one with, with my Lord. I, I know how he thinks. I know how he's going to respond. So God's inviting us into a knowing of his nature. So we can say, you know, I know God. I feel like I know him. For the Apostle Paul, this is the only thing that truly mattered. It says in Philippians 3 that he compared everything else garbage, pretty much, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ is Lord. And it wasn't a head knowledge. He was describing what had actually happened to him. Suddenly, Jesus was real to him. And that's all he carried. Paul just carried this beautiful message of Jesus wherever he went. So he says, actually, everything else you can have, because I just want to know my Lord. J.I. Packer wrote this amazing book called Knowing God. Anyone read it? Wonderful. Listen to this quote. What were we made for? To know God. 
What aim should we set ourselves in life? Oh, that's to know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives us? Knowledge of God. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and the one who you have sent. What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. And he goes on to write, knowing God is a relationship that is calculated to thrill a man's heart. And I don't know how you find yourself here this morning, friend, but Christianity isn't meant to be something that we just join a, a better moral club. This is meant to thrill our very hearts. We're meant to look at one another and, and remind each other, man, this is what Jesus has done for me. Me and Jay during worship, just an arm around each other. Bro, he's done this for us. He's done this for us. Christianity is a faith calculated that is meant to thrill your heart. And it thrills your heart through knowing him. Through knowing him. As I was preparing to come here this weekend, my mind was going all over the place. Man, what can I share? What, what would be really good? Like, like, I'm an insecure man, just like the rest of us. As long as you're a man. <laughs> you might be an insecure woman. But I'm like the rest of us. Man, I want to impress. I want to, I want to make you think, that, oh, he's doing all right then. But you know what God kept bringing me back to time and time again? Tell them about knowing me. Tell them about knowing me. It doesn't matter whether you've walked with him for 60 years or six months. Man, there's more you can know. There's so much more. The amplified version of verse 17 talks about revelation like this. He says, he prays that you'd get this spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into the mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. And the Amplified Version just blows up the text to say, I'm going to take you deeper here. He wants to take us into the secret place. He wants to invite us into the very depths and the secrecy of his heart. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. So, so often, do you ever get this where you think, I'm not sure whether that's my mind or his mind? He's inviting you into the secret place. He's inviting us into the secret place through revelation. This word revelation means to uncover something that was concealed, to reveal or to bring to light. And God wants to reveal himself in the most deepest sense, and he does this through the Holy Spirit. You know, we've said this before, the Holy Spirit isn't just a wacky uncle that turns up and gives us a fun time. He's not. He's so underestimated. The Holy Spirit is God on the earth. He's God. And he comes to reveal the deepest nature of God. He comes to reveal God's secrets and God's heart and God's love. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads us and guides us. The one Jesus promised to lead us into all truth. Man, I want to be clear with you. I love this word. But the Holy Spirit's job isn't just to convince us of this. Although he does that beautifully. When he says he comes to lead you into all truth, he comes to lead us into the true realities of who he is. Who he is. And we find out who he is through this. But this and the spirit are so one. You, you get me, right? So Jesus promised to send this other, and this other that comes to live and dwell in us, he walks with us and he reveals himself through us and he reveals this saviour, Jesus I see him all over you, Nick. Just pouring his love into us, over us, through us. 
Holy Spirit. Right now, let's just invite him. Just say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me again who you are. Reveal to me again just your beautiful nature. Show me the heart of God. Whisper to him if you want. Ask him just to pour love into your heart afresh if you need that this morning. This word revelation, right? There's this guy called Sean Bowles. In translating God, he writes, another way to say it is that the spirit of revelation is basically God's spirit keeping us connected to his thoughts and his heart for us and his son. It's when a person in the nature of God manifests to our understanding, spirit and emotions. You know, Paul, this is what he says, Paul wasn't praying for believers to have wisdom and revelation so they could perform in their Christianity better. Or so they could dominate the world. He prayed it with a simple core focus of Christianity's basic belief system that you may know and have revelation to really know Jesus. So as we move into another thing, this is what I want you to see. Revelation is a doorway. It's an invitation. There's a knocking on the door of your heart by the Holy Spirit. And revelation is an invitation. It's a doorway to encounter Jesus. It's a doorway. Holy Spirit wants to reveal himself to us every single second of the day. He is continually speaking to us. It's just whether we're tuned into him or not. He's continually speaking. He's continually saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. Do you know, friends, I want to look back on my life. I don't know about you, but I want to look back on my life. I don't know what you think a successful life is or a meaningful life. But you know what? I think success looks like this. A person that knows God. I want to look back on my life, regardless of what achievements in the natural we might do. And I want to look back and I want my children to be able to say, my daddy knew God. I want to be able to say, I knew him. I know him. And I'm going to spend forever with him. What about you? Do you know, this is calculate, This is cultivated in the secret place. Jesus talked about the secret place in Matthew's Gospel, if you're familiar with this. Matthew 6, 6, I think it is. He says, and when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is where? In secret. And when you pray to him in secret, he'll reward you. Jesus modelled this perfectly, didn't he? In the cut and thrust of ministry, in, in busy times, in sad times, through every season of life, it's like, where's Jesus? Always oh, with his father. He, he took himself away. He didn't get caught up with pride and suddenly had thousands in front of him. When he had thousands in front of him, he was like, I'm going to get in the boat and I'm going to disappear for a little while. You think of people today, wow, we've got thousands, quick, lock the doors, get me, put the lights on. Smoke machines. I grew up in the 80s. No, Jesus took himself away. And he went, man, I'm going to shut myself away in the secret place. Because when I talk to him in secret, he reveals these mysteries, these, these deep and intimate places. So I want to ask you, friends, do you have that? Do you have that secret place? It doesn't necessarily have to be a closet. You can shut yourself in a closet. But where do you go where you just connect with him? Not weekly, not monthly, I'm talking daily. Where do you go? 
And do you know what? In the secret place, it's incredible because we begin to see who he is one to one. And as he reveals more of his nature, we begin to see more of who we are. So it's completely about identity, right? Somehow through knowing who he is, I begin to see who I am. And I don't know about you, friends, but I've, I've been walking with Jesus now for a little over a decade, or a little while over a decade now, 16 years now, in fact. And do you know, things change, right? Relationships shift. You think, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize God was like this. So when we sing songs like, he's a good father, something in me goes, I know he's a good dad, because he's proved that to me. When we sing songs about him healing the nations or healing sick and broken bodies, you go, no, I know he does that because I've seen him do it. But then we begin to see who we are. We begin to say, no, I am a loved son or a loved daughter because he whispers that to me when I'm with him. So this knowing of God is the byproduct is we begin to see that we're secure and accepted loved sons and daughters. I want to look as many of you in the eye as possible, not to creep you out, but just to say you're accepted in the beloved. In Christ, you're a son or a daughter. You don't have to strive any longer. What a beautiful poem, a word that Alid read out when we were breaking bread. All that Jesus has done means that we are now accepted. And we get to know that through knowing him. So let's move on to knowing, knowing his power. Verse 18 says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And he goes on to say, and that you would know this immeasurable greatness of this power that is toward us who believe. You see, for Paul, there's more verses, but I'm going to move on for time. For the Apostle Paul, the greatest power the earth had ever seen was when Jesus rose from death. That's the greatest display of power the world has ever seen. Like we've already gone, we've journeyed this morning. This, this Jesus, just picture it again. He had the sins of the whole world placed upon him. He was then pinned, nailed, hands and feet to a cross where he was tortured, beaten, and executed. He was then buried in a tomb, and then three days later, he burst from the tomb. And Paul is saying, this is the greatest power the world has ever seen. When this lifeless body was suddenly resurrected into brand new life. He didn't just swoon. He he wasn't resuscitated. He was resurrected into brand new life. And that brand new life, the Apostle's saying, is now pointed towards us. This, this brand new power, this incredible power is pointed towards us. And it's actually that power, folks, that's now alive and living in us. I, I just want you to think about that for a minute. That same power that raised Christ from death now lives in you. That's ridiculous. Like truly ridiculous, right? That same power, says it in Romans 8, that same power that raised Christ lives in us. Verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And what does this power look like? Some incredible moments throughout the New Testament. 
the ministry of Jesus. Let's just look, just very briefly. He healed the sick, the deaf, the mute, the lame, the blind, those with blood disorders, those with horrific skin conditions that no one else wanted to get near. Jesus laid his hands on them and boom, power healed them. People with fevers. He cast out devils. He cast out demons. People that were oppressed by the devil. He suddenly set them free. Credible power, right? He raised people himself from death. A little girl, one of his best friends, Lazarus. This is the one I love as well. He turned hearts back to himself. So the Apostle Paul was just the terrorist of the day, wasn't he? He was on his way to persecute and kill Christians. Yet this power of this resurrected Christ turned his twisted heart. And that's what he's done in my heart. I want you to think for a moment that we can often look at other things and think, well, that's a miracle, but I don't think I am. No, you're a miracle. If you've given your life to Christ, he has caused a resurrected, powerful miracle to be birthed in your life. And it will never change. Your heart has been flipped, turned back to him. And this is another bit of power in the New Testament that I love. He had a power to forgive. He had a power to welcome, to to accept. He had a power to have dinner with prostitutes and to accept them. He had a power to hang out with people that weren't like him. I want to look at the ministry of the believers, who we are. So Jesus then lays hands on them and says, now you guys go. You go in the power of the Holy Spirit and do the same. So just a basic skim through the New Testament, through Acts, you'll see that these same apostles, these same friends of Jesus did the same. They laid their hands on sick people and saw them recover. Even someone's shadow healed someone. Yet we look at this and we go, wow, can't wait until we see that. We should be seeing this in our day, friends. We should be seeing this in our day. Because it's in his beautiful word. But what I want us to see as well is the same power is alive in our lives today. So this incredible power that over a decade ago suddenly set me free from a decade-long drug addiction in a moment is the same power that helps me live day by day. And I want you to see that same power where you're able to go, no, I'm I'm not going to do that, is power. So often we think power is like, call down fire from heaven. But actually, to be able to make godly choices day by day is power. To be able to say, no, I'm not going to drink anymore is power. To be able to say, no, I'm not going to be violent anymore is power. To be able to say, I'm going to speak good about my boss is power. Just a few random illustrations, but I want you to see that this same power helps us live day to day. And this same power, friends, this is the reality of our lives, will help us forgive people. We want to be an army that's marching on the planet. When people look at us, they go, man, what's so different about you? This same power can act like Jesus where we go, hey, I'm going to welcome you into my home. I know we're totally different, but I'm going to welcome you in and you're going to be part of my family. I'm going to forgive you. Even though you've done that in my life, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to choose to offer you grace. That's power. And this is where we're going to finish off with a few, few more thoughts. Friends, this resurrected power is what we get to live from. 
This resurrected power is what we get to live from. We need to know that God's power is continually at work in my life. It's not just happening when we gather here. It's absolutely continually working in my life. This same power. So verse 18 says, the first part, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you would know this power and know the hope to which he has called you. This is where we're going to finish things off. We have hearts enlightened that we would know God's presence, we'd know God's power, but we'd know our purpose. This is the hope to which he has called us. Many Christians don't know what their purpose is on, on the earth. I've only been a Christian a short time really, but the amount of people that I come in contact with and they're like, I'm just not sure of God's call on my life. I'm just not sure why I'm on the planet. I'm not sure what I'm meant to be doing. I want to help us with this. This is what we're meant to be doing. God wants to move through your life. Yeah, but Sam, you need to make it a bit clearer than that. Now, your purpose on the planet is that you are so filled with the love of God that wherever you go, you're just like a distributor. You just spill out this love wherever you go. Verse 22, 23, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, Listen to this, the fullness of him who fills all in all. One translation says the church is his body, and in that body he lives fully the one who fills the whole wide universe. Another translation, the one who fills all things everywhere with himself. Another translation, the one who fills all things in every way. This is what I want us to see. Ephesians 3.19, it's a prayer, I think Al, you said it earlier, or someone did, that we would receive this love that surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Paul is wanting us to know in this day that we can be filled with the fullness of God. You know, just a little sip, we can be filled with fullness. Bear with me. In Christ, Jesus is described as the one who carried the full reality of God, the exact imprint of God on the earth, the very nature of God. It says of Christ that he, the, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. So then listen to what we have now received. Christ in us is the hope of glory. We are now in Christ, and Christ is in us. So if Christ has the fullness of God dwelling in him, guess what? Just, just let that settle for a minute. Because some of you won't believe me. You have the fullness of God dwelling in you by the Holy Spirit. The full reality of God. So this means that we get to carry Holy Spirit, the fullness of God, everywhere we go. Into every conversation we find ourselves in into every circumstance, into every situation, somehow, little old me, 14 stone me now actually, I get to be so filled with God that wherever I go, God leaks out of me. The one who fills all things in every way with himself. What happened a couple of weeks ago in Manchester was just horrific. And what happened in London, beyond description, right? 
We woke up on Tuesday morning, three weeks ago, I guess now, to a stream of text messages saying, are you okay? Are you okay? I I take it you weren't there. So instantly we're like, put the news on. To which me and Em, in that moment, were filled with horror, were filled with shock, were completely dumbfounded. In that moment, we fell in love with Manchester in such a beautiful new way because we were suddenly like, man, this is our city. This has happened in our home place. But it left the city sad. And I want you to know that Manchester is is still crying. It's sad. Shock, horror, despair, fear, confusion, anxiety, all of that. But do you know what else happened? This beautiful unity that was suddenly birthed. Where suddenly the people of Manchester were like, oh no, not in our city. So whether they were Muslim or Sikhs or Hindus or Christians, people began to come together with one voice and say, we're going to love this city. And everywhere you go now, there are bees everywhere. Have you seen this on the news? There are bees everywhere. And I really have felt over the last little while, God begin to speak to me through bees. Uh, I want to be careful. Bees aren't talking to me. (laughs) But I'm seeing bees everywhere. And I, I just feel like, man... I was literally somewhere the other day and this bee just landed on my leg. And usually I'd be like, ah, there's a bee on me. But I was like, hey, there's a bee on me. They're beautiful. Wasps, what are, what, what are they? But bees, you're like, come and stay with us. Come in. Listen to this. The bee is the symbol for Manchester. So when we first got there, we were walking around the city, looked at the bins, and there's bees on the bins. And we're like, what's this? It stands for a worker bee. It stands for industry. Uh, you know, they're just a hard-working group of people, right? So bees were suddenly everywhere. Two weeks before the bomb happened, my friend Gemma, we were in worship, much like this morning, and she brought this picture of bees coming together. This was before the bomb happened. We, we don't feel God was telling us anything, or any, you know, trying to prepare us, but I do believe, looking back, that God was speaking to her in the most beautiful way. Because she had this picture of these bees not only coming together, but making a sound, a new sound. And it was a sound of hope. And it was a sound of love. And it was a sound. When they came together, there was a louder sound. There was this humming. And then suddenly these bees flew everywhere. And they started to reproduce everywhere. And they started to bless the land and heal the land. And two weeks later, the bombs went off. And now suddenly bees are everywhere. Listen to this. This is what bees do. Bees work very hard at collecting nectar from flowers to turn it into honey. But something else happens when a worker bee buzzes around on their daily mission. It's called pollination. And it's very important for our planet. Every time a bee lands on a flower, a little bit of the pollen sticks to their feet and then some of the pollen falls off as they fly about. And when this happens, when the pollen falls onto other plants, pollination occurs, which means the plants reproduce. Bees pollinate two-thirds of the world's crops and flowers. Two-thirds, which means they make two-thirds of all of our plants grow, giving food to eat and lovely flowers to enjoy. I was reading this. I turned to a friend of mine. She might have thought I was a bit nuts, actually, because I was suddenly like, bees are amazing. And she went, the whole world depends on them. And in that moment, this is what I want you to know. You're amazing. And the whole world depends on you. You're amazing. 
Because you're in Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And like those worker bees, this is God's mission. This is God's purpose for your life. He wants to release us to fly everywhere. And he wants us to carry the pollen of heaven, which is love. And he wants us to drop it on people wherever we go. And through doing that, his kingdom reproduces. His kingdom reproduces. The king and his kingdom reproduce because we carry love. Like those worker bees, the whole world depends on us to show up, friends. And I'm not talking about marching for Jesus, going down the road with banners saying we march for Jesus. If you want to do that, God bless you. What I want to encourage you to do is be you wherever you are. Show up filled with love. And wherever you go, just drop it. Just drop God's love everywhere you go. Christ in us is the hope of glory. I'm going to finish with this. Maybe the band could come up if that's, if that's all right. In Acts 17, Paul, Silas and some others had an incredible reputation. When I read this the other day, I was like, that's a great reputation for the church. So this is how the religious authorities thought of them and other people in their region. These men have turned the world upside down. Friends, we're not called to blend in. We're not called to fit in. We're not called to look exactly the same as others. We're called to turn Hastings upside down. We're called to turn Bax Hill upside down. We're called to turn Sussex upside down. We're called to turn the world upside down. Bob Jones says, God's glory is coming, and it's coming in his glorious love. His glory is coming, and it's coming in his glorious love. Sean Bowles invites us, he says, God is inviting us to see what he sees which will enable us to love as he loves. Friends, if you don't take anything else away from this morning, I want you to go on an incredible adventure of looking right into the heart of God. That he's inviting you to see what he sees, which will enable you to love as he loves. And you know what? We do this in partnership with Holy Spirit as empowered sons of daughters, not working for God, but working with him. Like Jesus, he just did what he saw the Father doing. I'm just about my dad's business. I'm just working for my dad everywhere I go. That's what I want to encourage us as a church family. Let's just be about our Father's business. Can we stand? And just before these beauties lead us, I pulled out, I saw we've just been away for a few days as a family. We went into this church, 900 years they'd been worshipping in this church. And there was John Wesley's quote there. And I thought, man, I'm going I'm to nick that. I didn't physically nick it. I took a picture of it. And this is what John Wesley says. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. God's glory is coming. And it's in his glorious love.
And just extend your hands for a moment. God's glory is coming, friends. And it's in his glorious love. Just ask him right now. Say, God, I want you to get my heart with your love again. I want you to so fill me with your love. That everywhere I go, I want you to send me like a heavenly worker bee. Wherever I go, I want to repopulate what the kingdom of heaven looks like. God's glory is coming, friends. And it's going to be in his glorious love. This world is expecting us to show up. We owe it to the world. It's time that we as the church, we rise up and we turn hastings upside down with the love of God. Amen that we turn this region upside down with the love of God. Let's just worship for a little bit and then we'll pray for one another as we close.
aware that the children work is finished and kids are starting to come back. So in a moment we're just going to officially end the meeting there, but can I just encourage you, I think there are so many people here that would like to respond in some way. Sounds two points for us that you can know God here today. You can not just know him here with your heads, but there is something of your heart that say, I know God. I know something of his goodness, of his faithfulness. So you can know God, but also you can know his power in your life. And I've just felt there will be a lot of people here that just feel, actually, I'd love to just pray with someone that I could receive more power. Maybe you need the evidence of power of God in your life. Maybe healing. Maybe there's breakthrough in certain situations. We would love to pray with you. I think there may be one or two people here that don't know Jesus and you might just have lots of questions. We would love to answer some of your questions. We would love to just chat to you and maybe start a bit of a journey on kind of answering some of those. All right? So while we're going to officially end the meeting there and tea and coffee and everything's open, I can I just encourage you, if you want to re- respond in any way, please stay. The band are going to continue singing. We're going to sing one or two more songs. And for those of you that want to respond, you are more than welcome to stay. Can I ask ministry team leaders, so if you're kind of connect group leader, community group leader, part of the ministry team, pastoral deacons, please come forward. Please be prepared because I think there might be a number of people that want to get prayed for. Please don't leave this place today unless you feel that like, actually now I've done business with God. And I've, it may be that through the word that Sarah brought, through Jackie's encouragement earlier on, if you want to have response with prayer in any way, then may, feel free to come down and we'd love to pray for you. Okay? I've met. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.